everyone, and welcome to episode three of Two Chicks Talking Biz. This is Bree. And I'm Holly. And we're here to tackle the topic of hiring the right team. So let's just get started today. So hiring the right team. Um, I think people sometimes underestimate that and sometimes they overestimate it. But I think that hiring the right team and having the right team behind you is what makes a very makes for a very successful business. Um, Agreed. And so we're here to talk about the ins and outs of how do you hire the right people and how do you make it work. We're not saying that you're going to get it right on the first time, you're not going to get it right on the second time, but finding those key players that stay with your business and that eventually evolve, not just for coming in and punching their clock, but become a part of your family. And I think that's what makes for a very successful um, business at the end of the day. Agreed. It's someone who wants to be there, who thrives off of the business, growing, who wants to be part of change and a small business, everyone wears multiple hats. So it's just someone who can put in the time and energy and fulfill the company's need at the end of the day instead of the clocking in and clocking out. Agreed. And I think some people get um, hung up on that. And so we're here to kind of help people understand what we look for when we are looking to hire a new member of our team. So Starting at the very beginning, um, let's break down. Okay, Holly, when you were running your business and you've decided, okay, I need X, I need a new person. What are those kind of key indicators that you look for when you're ready to make a, a hire or add somebody to the team um, and make you quantify bringing somebody on when somebody's ready to hire an employee, basically? Okay, so there's several situations where you will need to add someone to the team. It could be that, hey, we are growing a department, so accounting needs a new assistant. It could be, hey, we are growing a department, a brand new department. We need to hire the lead and some people to work underneath it. It could be that someone is not fitting out in the job and that you need to rehire for it. So there's several situations where you're going to need to determine hiring, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, those are kind of some key indicators. I think for a small business, when you, I know in your personal business too, not speaking on a bigger scale, but when you're looking at a smaller scale, when you're looking to bring on an employee. I know that's something that you and in your other business have kind of talked about recently. Tell me which business we're talking about. Oh, the Fox Welding. Okay. <laughs> so I know we're going to talk with Cass next uh, episode, but you know, you guys struggle between, okay, you guys managing the admin side of it, but also you want to talk about bringing somebody on. I know we'll talk about it more next week, but just curious, like, what is your balance between, okay, hey, I need to hire an employee and hey, we're going to keep doing this for ourselves? So it, right now, it's hard. Um, being an entrepreneur and having multiple small businesses, let alone running a business, um, I don't have all the time in the world to be admin, but I don't want to pay someone to do the admin job. So between Cass and I, we split the function and from her answering the phone certain days and me answering the phone other days, but it gets to a level that I believe if I'm spending more than 20 hours a week, then I would consider it me for me personally. I am a busy person and I can't be answering phone calls all the time. So but. for you, you would say <clears throat> that it would turn into kind of that, you know, balance of life. So you're sitting there and you're spending so much time working on 
you know, working on taking in those phone calls and the administrative side of it. And it's infringing upon your work-life balance. And that's going to be that key indicator for you to say, okay, I'm ready to hire an employee because I'm spending way too much time doing this. Here's what my P&L looks like. This is what my income looks like. I can afford X. And that's what I'm, that's when you're going to start to bring somebody in. So I think for our listeners in a small business, I think that's a really good indication as to when you're ready to initially hire an employee. Can you afford it? Yes. Can you afford it? It, at the end of the day, it's about money on that aspect. Um, If you can't give the time to do the function either, I believe that you, okay, like in our situation is having admin answering the fall, um, breaking out um, times of when cast can make it to a job or not make it and also identifying if we can do the job. So that's one of my biggest, um, problems with giving someone else the position is, yes, I have learned welding over my years of being with my wife. So oh, I understand stainless metal, um, how long it takes to weld, how she can weld, how um, the different types of welding. And so I can sit there and bid over the phone or most people coming into a job as an admin are not going to understand the welding world and how, oh, they can manage it. So that is my upfront issue. And so it would, you would have to pay more for a job function for someone coming in and having the experience in some kind of construction area. So it is hard for me to be able to even pass the job off to the next person. But I would say that in the end, you have to figure out, does it justify your time? If it does not justify your time and you have the money to do it, hire the right person. Make sure you interview, try to get someone in the field who knows a little bit about the industry. Or maybe you hire someone who is part welder, uh, part assistant, right? So that they can help with the job, let alone answer your phone calls and making that work for the business at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that those are all really sound of things. I think that's a, a struggle that a lot of people have in a small business is that they can do the work, but that just because you can do the work doesn't mean that you have to do the work and you need to make sure you keep that work-life balance, that you make sure you have the money to do so. And then you also have the ability to do recruiting. So I think recruiting is kind of the next big subject. So I know that I have worked personally with some platforms. You've worked some personally with some platforms. What are... What starting with the ad, right? I know you and I have kind of a different opinion when it comes to the ad. I'm a, a less is more, lay all my chips on the table. This is what we're offering. If you don't like it, move on. Um, and you're kind of more of, hey, let's hide, let's put a little bit less back and, you know, uh, put a little bit more about the company out there and see who we get and who, what talent we can get and start negotiating from there. Both have very sound points. Both have, you know, um, very different ways of approaching. And we've been successful in both approaches. So, you know, like I said, I'm very upfront in, I put the salary expectations out there. I put the, you know, job description in great detail. I put the company description in great detail. Tell me about some of your um, strategies when it comes to posting an ad. Because I know that's a lot of times what people struggle with too. Like, what am I putting out there? What do what are employees looking for? It's also about the times that you're dealing with too. There's a time where there's an employer market and then there's an, a time when there's an employee market. And that I think contributes to how you write your ad. If we know that you put out an ad and you get 
five people in two weeks, like you know that there's something wrong with your ad. But typically those are the times where employees have the one up. They have the choice of going to these job interviews and picking what company they want to work out. In the verse, dealing with um, an employer putting an ad and having multiple customer or employees come in for the job. I think that it also depends on the job function. I have seen where in production level, I have people lining outside for an interview because we have open interviews for the day. Yeah, I gave basic detail saying, hey, it's a production job. If you can work from this hour to this hour, you have these minimum requirements. Show up from this time to this time, and we'll do interviews. I have lines out the door for that. And other times, I've done the same exact thing, and I've had nobody show up. So it also plays with the time. Um I think that it also plays with your position that you are writing for, you know, if you're trying to hire a higher level employee, a manager, um, an operations manager, a marketing manager, um, anything in a sales manager, territory manager at that level, I think that you're going to deal with a lot different type of um, employee than you are going to in a production role. And so depending upon how you write it, I think that more detail, income, you know, that there's a range and what the business is doing. They want to know for what the company is doing, what their goals are. And of course, they're going to ask all these questions, but trying to give as much upfront, I think, helps that scenario in those types of jobs where in production, I don't think necessarily those employees really care. Mm -hmm. And so... I think it really depends on the job function that so, you're trying to look for. So you would say, like, speak to your market, basically. Who who you're going after, who you're looking for, your key player, you need to speak to them. Um, right. Also, I believe in keeping things as short and sweet as possible. You'll dive into the nitty-gritty of the position when you get in there. But put in the high-level things. I think sometimes I get lost in the, I want this, 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 this. But sometimes it can be overwhelming to people. So I say, try to hit the main points that you want. So you want somebody who has great Excel skills. Make that a priority. You want somebody, you know, who has QuickBooks experience. Make that a priority. You want somebody who's an you know, analytical, who's worked in, you know, this field, who's done accounts payable or accounts receivable, or, you know, speaking from personal experience in an ad I've recently written, right? And keep, hit on those key points. Because I think if you hit on those key points, you'll find somebody who meets those requirements or those things that you're looking for a little bit better than when you over inundate the ad with a bunch of different things that aren't necessarily key things that you would want, right? At I would rather have somebody have great Excel skills than minimal Excel skills and, you know, but is a great, great analyst, analyzer or something like that. So you need to specify for yourself what are the key job functions that you want from an employee when they walk in. Yes, you write a job description, but if you had to give or take anything, what would you give and what would you want? Right. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that you understand your gives and takes when you're hiring people, I think is crucial because you most of the time you're never going to find someone who fits perfectly in your box. You're going to have to trust your gut on the person and see if they hit all of the things that you need. And or maybe they're only hitting 70 percent of them, but make sure that you identify your needs as a company. 
yeah, I think that small business, you have a little bit more of a leeway when it comes to who you bring on your team. And they may check all the resume checkpoints, but a resume at the end of the day is just a piece of paper. People can fluff those. People fluff them. You know, small business sometimes doesn't have a lot of the, like a lot of the resources to go and do all of the checking um, that is necessary. And all those things can be lies that you have to go in and you have to do the research and you have to ask the right questions. And, you know, there is a level of going with your gut. You know, if you sit down and they hit all your checkpoints and that, that person who's interviewed, but it just doesn't feel like a good fit for you. Don't totally rule that out. Um, Make sure you listen to yourself. If you've done something for a long time and you know what you want and you know what you're looking for, don't deny yourself that just because their resume is hitting all of the right points and the interview is not. Sometimes people have that have that issue when they bring somebody in for an interview and it's like the resume does not match the questions that are answering in that and that happens pretty often you know currently we're in an employee market so it's very hard to find the right person in small business we have to live in certain constraints you know as much as we want to pay that person x amount of money sometimes we can't afford it but we still need the help and so you have to find the person that's eager who's looking to achieve more. They may not even hit any of the points on the resume, but they could come in and be super eager to learn and be a super fast learner. And your gut's telling you, yeah, this person's got it. This person wants it. So sometimes don't necessarily rule out some of those random resumes that you get with no experience because sometimes you can find the right person that fits within the company. So with that said is in those situations that you have someone that you're feeling that they work or they don't work in your experience, Brie, um, how do you feel about a working interview? Does it work or does it not work? So I've had mixed reviews with working interviews. Um, One, usually in a small business, we don't have the time. We usually want to make a decision and we want to bring that person in and we want to start training them and we want to get them going and feel comfortable in them. So I've had mixed, I've had people come in for working interviews. Most of the time it's been in production settings where they come in, they see if they can grasp the concepts. Do they understand what's going on? Will this work out? And it's pretty cut and dry what's going to happen. And so you can usually do, you know, a two or one or two day working interview and they do everything that they, you know, are they grasping the concept or are they not? Right. And so but when you're hiring for more, you know, higher level positions, sometimes it doesn't always work because you have to, there's so much nuance to the position that it's hard to get that all encompassed in one day. You have to dive in, in with them in a time period to truly understand if they grasp the knowledge in which you're requiring. For exactly. Because the a small business, every small business runs very differently. We, we change our methods from day to day. We're always evolving. We're always changing. We're always seeing issues that we need to fix. And so you need somebody that's super adaptable to those types of conditions. And I think that's a key indicator when you're looking for somebody to come join your team, make sure that they're as adaptable as you are and that they're able to change at a moment's moment. They're able to pivot, to quote Ross Geller from Friends. Also, too, is a lot of people come from the corporate world and they fit in this box. They sit there and they do the same job over day in and day out and they never go outside of that box. 
So for a small company trying to hire uh, an executive manager for the first time, that could be really hard for a business because they're used to being inside of a box. They're not used to wearing multiple hats or being part of the discussion um, in a different department or just contributing outside of their box. Being so, innovative. Exactly. And being at a small company, you have to think differently and that you have to be more part of the team than you typically would at a big corporate company. So I think, you know, making sure that someone understands that point when you're hiring them is a good necessity. I think that's uh, 100% accurate. I think that, you know, so kind of play with working interviews. If you feel like it fits with you, um, then definitely do it. If you don't feel like it works for you, then just go ahead and hire the candidate that you think is the best. Um, there's definitely some strategies out there that I've heard in the past too, uh, like hiring to keeping one, but those types of um, interviews or those types of hiring techniques, I think create unfair bias and they create um, and just a not great working environment. So um, if you guys are thinking about using that type of strategy and it's one that we wouldn't suggest. It's not something we recommend. It, it hasn't brokered the best results for us. So um, moving on to resumes. So without diving too deep into it, I listened to a TED Talk the other day that was talking about how long employers review resumes. And the average employer actually um, reviews a resume and it takes about six seconds for them to decide, yes, you've meet, met the qualifying requirements and no, you're not. You're going into the no pile. So what are some strategies for employers out there when reviewing resumes and giving those resumes their due diligence and reviewing them and making sure that you're looking at all aspects of the resume? So what are some strategies that you use, Holly, for resume research? So when I look at resumes, I look for time gaps. So make sure that it, you know, someone's not working, you know, two years, and then there's three years off of the resume and they start it again, right? Is making sure that they're not every other year they're jumping around. I also look for advancement. So if someone's worked at a company and they've worked them their way up through a company and they've been there for several years, that's a positive for a company like us or a small business, right? Mm-hmm. Also, the length of employment, um, someone who's worked there for two, five, ten years, that shows that someone's dedicated to a business that they enjoy working at. Um, others, making sure people aren't jumpers. So someone who works for six months to a year um, and then they jump jobs that they're just looking for advancement and they're only there for the quick six to um, a year job placement. Those are just quick things that I personally look for. So to counter that, if you're looking at a resume and a resume has the person is job hunting or job hopping and they go from an admin to a manager to director, do you still hold that against them for jumping from, let's say, a year here, two years there and a year here? I don't believe that you had enough experience to jump from an admin to a manager in that quick amount of time. Okay, fair enough. I know that that you would have to explain to me in an interview, oh, your qualifications that got you there. Yeah, so you would not hold that against them necessarily. You would still bring them in for an interview, but you would ask those key questions that They would would not be my first pick. 
Okay. They would not be my first pick, but if I had to pick them because I had a shorter list, yes, I would ask them specifically how they went from an assistant to a manager in a shorter period of time and what qualified them to get that position. Got it. So I think that a lot of people now, um, I know that the interviewing and we've been in this, we've been in the interviewing business for a long time. And I think that people have changed kind of how they look at things. People don't spend long periods of times at businesses like they used to, because you're not getting the pensions and the retirements and all the things that, you know, companies used to give because they don't have any benefits, right? The government has pretty much taken the the benefits away for small businesses or even big businesses to give those types of incentives to employees. So you see a lot more job hopping around. I think the key thing is, is that make sure that they have spent quality time there at the position, that they've had the key points that you're looking for in your position and make sure that that wording doesn't match yours exactly. I think we've both hit that a couple of um, times. Because you're rewriting your resume to hit every single point that was in your um, ad. I've hit a resume where they literally just copy and pasted the ad into the resume. <laughs> so I think it's just a matter of making sure that, you know, you have somebody who has had the right experience, um, who's, you know, meets your requirements. And then once you see all that and you review that resume, then feel like you can bring them in for an interview. I usually typically like to do a phone interview before I bring doing an in-person interview um, and get a, get a feel for that person and ask them some pre-qualifying questions. Make sure that they're interested in the job because a lot of these um, sites that people put out job postings for, they're quick automatic that their resume comes to you. So you don't really know if people are interested. So the working in the state that is required, (laughs) because you'd be amazed at how many people apply for jobs out of state. Yeah, because they just have the location settings wrong or um, all of that fun stuff. So I think that's kind of some key things when it comes to resumes and what you're looking for. Make sure you give them the time. That person spent a lot of time writing that resume, putting it together, making sure it got to you. Give them that time. You know, I know that we're all busy. We're in a small business. We take five, you know, we're super wearing all these different hats or whatever. But, you know, print them out. You know, read them while you're drinking your coffee in the morning. Give them their due diligence and then make your decision off of that. Because overlooking a really good employee could cost you at the end of the day. It could cost you more than taking the extra five minutes to review that resume in in full. Um, I know um, platforms. So really quickly, let's dive into different platforms. So there's Indeed, there's ZipRecruiter, there's Monster, there's Craigslist. There's Ladder, there's LinkedIn. So what's your favorite platform? I typically think that we do well on Indeed um, for the average job. If we were looking for a higher qualified job, I would say that LinkedIn did um, a really good job last time that we did it. Um, but for my average, every single job that I have going on indeed has been very well. Okay. It doesn't cost a lot. You control your leads. You can control how many people you actually want in, um, to speak to. You can also reject or accept and do the interview process or set up interviews right there in their portal. So it was, it's a really good tool. 
you can also do pre-qualifying assessments on them too. Agreed. And so if they can answer questions. Yep. If somebody's taking the time to do assessment, then they're pretty interested in the job. I think I did that on the last um, job that I had put an ad out for. And I think that was really successful in me finding somebody who not just submitted their resume, but actually went back and took the time to do the assessment that I need them. So they have a couple of different options on Indeed. They can do the assessments themselves. They have these pre ones, or you can build your own and you can build your own assessment. I used one of the pre ones because I didn't have the time to build one. And it actually worked really well. I think mine was attention to detail. Um, And so I went and made sure that the job that I was doing at the attention to detail. So after we've done platforms, we've also worked with temp agencies. Great. Um, we've had some great successes. We've also had some horror stories Yep. Um, <laughs> with temp agencies. Um, <laughs> I think that if you're in a bind and you need somebody quickly, um, use a temp agency because they can get, you know, somebody in there. If you have a job that's pretty simple, I mean, what's your experience? What do you look for? But just because they can get somebody in there quickly does not mean that they can get someone qualified for the job. I've hired in production, accounting, uh, customer service, admin, and I've had horror stories across the board on all of them. And so I typically do not like to use agencies because they charge you an arm and a leg and then there's a fee. So you have to pay an astronomical amount for the employee until a certain time period. I do not like to buy employees out, so I do. I always work that in in my deal, but I just have come across the experience that, hey, I need this person to do this job, and here's the job description. Just because I give a job description to someone else does not mean that they are going to look for the type of employee that I would look for. So that has come across in a negative aspect in multiple job functions. Others... They don't really care. They don't really read it. They just call, hey, I need production workers. And that production worker means anybody with a pulse that I will bring in. And then you have people who come in who are not even qualified for the job, but you still have to pay them for the time that they are there. And then it just doesn't work out. It just, I personally will only do an agency if I am in a bind. That means that I'm in a hardcore bind. Agreed. I think that's been my same experience. I've actually been really fortunate with some of the candidates that I've received for certain positions, most of them administrative or accounting wise, but they do charge a a very steep amount. So be prepared when you're looking at that negotiate. They may say that that's their contract. So my advice is if you don't like something that's in the contract they send at you and you really want a temp agency to do that recruiting for you, then go ahead and try to negotiate with them. Um, and try to work with them um, going forward. Um, typically, they'll lower the rate if it's a higher turn type of position um, where you're you know, having more people coming in and out. Typically, production runs in those lines. Some administrative inside sales um, kind of have more of those higher turn um, ratios when it comes to hiring. But if you're also looking for something specific, make sure that you write into the contract that you want X, Y, and Z, and you expect them to look for those aspects. Because I have come across that I put out a job ad, and it may say that in there, but then they don't look for it. So make sure in your contract that you're specifying exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, I I think that is very, very good advice. I think we've talked about, okay, hiring, when do you need to hire? We've talked about um, 
recruiting. We've talked about platforms for recruiting. We've talked about resume review and we've talked about ads. So I think now we're getting to the level of, okay, the actual and phone interviews. So physical interviews with people. So tell us a little bit about your strategies um, for going into an interview and what you tend to do and what you look for. So typically when I'm interviewing someone, I try to make it as casual as possible, that it's not structured, that we're basically having a conversation. But there are those times that you have to pull information from your interviewees and it becomes a little bit more odd. But um, I like to just structure through my email, ask them about their previous experience, you know, dive into uh, those experiences and ask them questions that are related to the job topic that they are hired or looking to be hired for. I tend to take a little bit of a personal approach. I like to, yeah, I like to start in on their personal life, right? Like, what are they interested in? Try to get them relaxed because interviews are nerve-wracking enough for for interviewee and interviewer, right? Here you are. You're having a conversation with somebody you don't even know, and you're both trying to figure out. It's kind of like an awkward work first date. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, like you wish you could be meeting over cocktails and a steak dinner, but that's not what's happening in this scenario. You're most of the time meeting in like a conference room where this person is trying, wants the position, you want to hire them for the position, and let's see if this, you know, works out or doesn't work Don't you wish that they had like Tinder for like employers, right? Like swipe left, swipe (laughs) swipe right. Like, yes, I want to interview you. No, this isn't going to (laughs) work. Um, and same with employee in interviewees, right? Like yeah. I want to work with this I employer. like your company. I don't like your exactly. company. It would make You're things, a little strange. <laughs> it would make things a little bit easier, but yes, it is that awkward per se. I like to try to like kind of prime the interview with saying, okay, talk to me about you, right? And tell me about yourself and see if that ty- kind of gears the conversation. Sometimes you guys can go into a great conversation about, you know, um, about nothing, but about something all at the same time. Agreed. It tells you about them. Yeah, it tells you their point of view on something or their experience on something or just a little bit more detail about them. Yeah, and sometimes you can gain um, great information from their personal answers that can apply to the position, right? Like if they are super neat at home and they like to cook and they like to do this or they like to do that, you can take those types of things and say, okay, well, this takes a lot of time or patience or energy or effort or, you know, they like to, you know, knit or something like that. And you can say, okay, well, that takes a certain type of personality type and that's really what I'm looking for in a position. So never really negate the personal answers along with the actual, you know, nitty gritty getting down to the position answers. They've worked on those. They've practiced those. They've done those with their significant others or their parents or whomever. And those ones they've rehearsed. The personal answers are what going to give you the insight to the person and who they are and how they can best fit into the job that you're looking for. Not always staying to the book, right? Mm -hmm. Asking those random questions gets them off of the, hey, I'm trying to be the best person I possibly can in this interview and throw a random question in there that makes them like, uh, throw them off, right? So I had a question in an interview that was super interesting. It was, how many stop signs are there in New York City? No clue. Right? Probably a bajillion. 
Yeah, but it's all in how you approach the question. Mm -hmm. Analytical people will say, well, you know what? I don't have enough facts to answer that question. Yeah. Um, you know, more compassionate people will be like, well, don't they have more stop signs? And do people really use, you know, stop signs in New York City? I thought they had more streetlights and, you know, more, you know, people who are inventive to the question that yeah. says, you know, well, I don't know, how many stop signs are there in New York City? What do you think, right? I think that those kind of questions, one, throw people off. Um, but seeing who can answer quick on a dime. Yeah, right? who can answer quick and what that answer is. So yeah. I always like to throw those random questions in there just to see what people say. And I think it, for one, sometimes gives us both a laugh. It gives us some great insights. I think it breaks I've had, the ice. It breaks the ice too sometimes. Um, I've had interview questions, you know, where they pick an inanimate object and ask me to sell it to them. Yes, agreed. The mm -hmm. pen, you know, that mm -hmm. infamous pen that you have to sell. Exactly. I think a lot of people have, have been in that position. Um, weirdly enough, I've been in that position for a server position I interviewed for, but um, I guess that's qualifying. But I think that, you know, anybody can go into an interview and I think just realize that, you know, we're just as nervous as the person that we're in. We're all people at the end of the day trying to get something find someone to do the right job and we ask questions and sometimes questions aren't enough to figure out if that person is qualified but do our best no uh, you eventually just have to go with your gut go with what you felt in the interview make sure the resume meets what you're looking for and then making that hiring decision so Ultimately, you're going to make that hiring decision. Some of them are going to be really good and some of them are going to not be so good. Um, and I think that there's different approaches to that. So after you've made your hiring decision and now you're going into um, the actual position and going into the job, there are people who are going to be very successful very quickly and then there's going to be people who need a little bit more. So when you're um, bringing somebody on for the first time, um, what are your kind of training tactics? What do you, how do you set it up? What do you try to do with that employee when you bring them in? So my biggest thing is communication. If you do not have communication with an employee, then I don't know what you're doing at the end of the day. Uh, second would be understand that employee and their learning. Some people are visual. Some people are hands-on. Maybe some people are both. So identify with your employee as you're training them through learning new parts of the business how they learn best. And just identify that. Agreed. I think it's understanding them as much as, you know, understanding your needs and expectations. I think that there is a level in which you have to have expectations for the person that you've just hired and they need to understand you as much as you understand them. Great. Holly and I tend to be very um, self-starter motivated. So we want somebody who is self-starting, who is going to take the initiative, and who is going to make the decisions necessary based off of the training that, we've gave, that we have given them. Some people are a little bit more hand-holding. Unfortunately, in our you know, positions and positions we've had in the past, it, we tend to not have that significant amount of time we train you we cater to you what you guys what that employee needs we make sure that those are happening but we definitely need a self-starter and a lot of small businesses do Great. you need somebody who is going to take the initiative and do the things that are that you didn't even need you know you needed done 
Um, and I think that that's something that people need to don't look for somebody who's looking for that clock in clock out. You need somebody to come in there who's going to take the initiative and really work with you and take that extra step with them. Hey, what do, what do they really need from me? Hey, I know that she's going to be doing this today. So I'm going to set her up so that she's prepared. So that she walks in the door, she doesn't even ask to ask me questions, right? Making sure that you find someone who understands you. If you're a manager and this person is assisting you or is your subordinate is getting someone who works well with you. Bree and I work very well together. We're yin and yang. And yes, I'm the yang in this <laughs> yin and yang. Um, but we work well because we can um, foresee and, each other's needs and wants in our business and be able to contribute to the level of our business on the other side of this relationship. Yeah, we and, anticipate each other's needs and wants, right? We're always two steps ahead of the other person where the other person will sit there and be like, well, I was looking for this. Oh, you mean this that I have right here that I already did, you know? So those types of situations always work out. It's always anticipating that person. You don't always find that, but when you do hold on to it, it's awesome. (laughs) It makes your life so much easier when you can be on the same thinking path as the person you're working with. And eventually it turns into not an employee employer situation, but it also turns into a great symbiotic relationship with that person as well. And I agree. And that I think is contribute to communication. If you do not communicate with your employee, your boss, whoever, no one is going to be on the same page. You won't be able to work together on anything. If you're not communicating communication and trust. Great. Um, If you don't have trust, just like I said earlier, right? The bad date, right? You get past the, the awkward first date and then you got to have trust. If you don't have trust in each other, then it's never going to work out either. You have to trust the person that you've hired. If you ever bridge that gap and they're, you know, hiding something or they're not telling you the full truth or they've, you know, you find something wrong in the data that you know or that you've asked them about, but they're not indulging, you know, the issue that they find, right? Don't feel awkward if you feel like you don't trust them. We all go through those moments of, feeling like, okay, well, I've hired this person, I've trained this person, I've done everything that I possibly can, um, and I just don't trust that they're getting the work done. If you feel like you're just doing the work to fix it comparatively to making sure that they're understanding the job function and what you want them to do, and you're just doing it for them, then you realize that you're at an impasse. And unfortunately, you're going to have to make the harder decision in, in that regard. And that's kind of the ugly part, right, of hiring. Hiring is great when you're getting a new person, you're bringing them on and you're going to have this new member of your team and you're taking this person and you want them to grow with the business and you want them to be successful because their success is your success. But when they're not working out like that in your past experience, what have you done to help improve your employee situation or what's action steps have you taken to move on or to find the next employee? So a recent advice that I, I received too is that sometimes I'm busy and I train and sometimes I may go too quickly through training. Um, and I received some advice recently that says create a training schedule for um, a new hire and have them sign off on the fact that they've trained something um, and that you've been trained on it. Um, I think that's great advice um, for everybody so that they understand 
they've understood that they've been trained on this. So when something comes up in the past or something comes up in the future, they can say, oh, I was never trained on that. Well, actually you were and you signed off on it. And so if you needed additional training, this was time for you to communicate to me, right? Come back to me. Another thing that I've done in the in the past that's worked really well is doing a performance improvement plan or a PIP. Um, a PIP basically is a breakdown of these are the key spots that I'm seeing, you know, issues with. And I'm giving you an X amount of time to work on them or we will work on them. I never put it exactly on the person, right? Because there could be things that I'm not doing as an, as a boss or a manager. Um, that's not, you know, something I can do better too. So I think that's really great in a PIP because it basically says, Hey, these are the things I'm not seeing, but this is what I'm going to do to help you. And this is when I'm going to check in with you to make sure that you're understanding what is going on in this PIP and that uh, this outcome will be in a certain amount of days that we'll make a decision if this works or it doesn't work. Exactly. And I think that it, it keeps everybody's expectations on that same level and that same playing field. Communication. The, communication, right? Communication, communication, communication. I don't think Holly and I can actually say it enough that <laughs> you have to keep in constant communication. It's so easy to go into your office and shut that door and close yourself off because you're so yeah. busy and just grind away at your work. But you have to realize that that person out there is being respectful of your space and you need to make sure you communicate just as much as they need to communicate with you um, and make your expectations very clear. But I've used PIPs. Um, I think PIPs are really great um, tool for people. If you um, want some more information, um, if you go to thebizsquad.com, we do have a PIP um, template that you can go ahead and look at um, that we use on Under our basis. resources page. Yep. Uh, you can look at it there and um, you can find that template there for you guys to use. So in conclusion, we covered a lot of topics in this episode. So I think that some of the key points that we want you to take away are making sure you pick the right recruiting platform. Make sure you pick the one that fits your needs as well as fits your budget. Um, pressure to hire. I think a lot of people can feel a lot of pressure to hire either from themselves or from an external entity in their lives. And just make sure that you make the right move when you are really ready for it. Trust and communication when you're hiring staff and with your current staff. Communication always goes both ways. So kind of keep that in mind. Also, and lastly, have transparency. If you're transparent with your staff, they'll be transparent with you. So as we always say, we're always here for any of your hiring or any small business needs. So you can always visit us at thebizsquad.com and drop us a line and ask us any question that you may have. Well, thanks again for tuning in to Two Chicks Talking Biz. We want to remind everyone to please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. We want to keep bringing you content and would love to hear from our listeners. So please always feel free to email us. The email is listed in the description. Three, what can they expect from us in the next episode? Okay. Uh, in two weeks, we will have Cassie Fox from Fox Welding on the show talking to us about her journey in owning and operating her own welding company with her wife and what it has been like for her and her family. So until next time, squat, squat out. out.